Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good to be with you always, always, always. I pray that you're doing well in this holy uh, Easter week. Every day a first-class feast for us. This is Easter Thursday, and it's a, it's a glorious day because the Son of God is risen from the dead. Um, risen, risen, risen from the dead. No matter what our circumstances are, Heaven has opened to us, and we have eternal life in him, in no one else but him. Now, it looks like we're having a little difficulty again with the, um, with the camera. We're, we're back. Okay. I don't, know what, I don't know these technical matters, but I'm, I'm happy to be back with you. Um, so I picked out a story. I said all this week I was going to read your stories, and uh, today is Thursday, so we have today and tomorrow left. And um, and I've been asked about the Ragman story that I read yesterday. Um, I don't have the book, the Ragman. The story is actually online. Um, you can get it. I also uh, did look on Amazon, and there's a book uh, which has the Ragman story and other uh, stories along with it, maybe of the same kind. So. Um, uh, you can you can get it or, or or read it on the internet or download it. This story is called Easter Under a Park Bench. This book is filled with stories, but um, most of them are too long to read to you in the time we have on the program. But this one is is a good one, and it's Easter Under the Park Bench. Let me just hold on a moment and get my little light on it. Okay. and it's by Kurt Wareham and it begins looks like I'm always getting into trouble for something seems like maybe I get into more trouble than all the rest of the boys in Bigelow put together funny thing is I try so hard not to and the harder I try the worse it gets just can't make it out Lucky for me, Dad seems to understand this kind of thing pretty well. Seems like maybe he wasn't exactly a cherub when he was a boy. I'm sitting with Ben Chapman on the school bus heading down Highway 15. Last day of school before Easter holidays. Can't hardly wait to put away the books. Spring is ready to burst out all over, and school is no place to be when that happens as any boy knows. We're just coming into town past the monastery, and Mrs. Akers is driving like a madman as usual, flattening me against the window every time she takes a left turn. On the right turns, I pretty near send Ben flying into the aisle, but he's a fast learner and hangs on for dear life. We swing onto Main Street, a couple of blocks from school, where there's this little park with a fountain and a wishing well. 
a wishing, and that's not right, a wishing, hold on, a wishing pool. Oh, okay. And a few benches. Mrs. Akers straightens out onto Maine, and Ben squashes me up against the window again. I poke him in the ribs, and we laugh together. Suddenly, I look out again, back behind us now at the pool we just went by. Um, I'm drying the steam off the window with my shirt cuff and trying to get a better look. Under one of the benches, there's something I didn't notice before. Something that looks like a pair of shoes. I stand up and wipe the window fast to get one last look, and then it's gone. I sit down, my mind spinning. Ben, I say, and my voice is suddenly dry. I saw some guy lying under the bench back there, newspaper covering him over. Just his feet were sticking out. Oh, yeah, says Ben. Let me see. He leans across to get a look. Too late, I tell him. Out of sight. Ben sits down again. Probably just some homeless guy up from the city. That's where they usually hang out, you know, in parks and stuff. I sink back into my seat, but my mind is going in circles. Why in the world would some guy sleep under a park bench? Why doesn't he go home? Well, maybe he doesn't have one. How come his relatives don't look after him then? Take care of him. Maybe he doesn't have relatives. Or if he does, maybe they don't care about him. It goes round and round in my head. Every way I turn it, I cannot figure it out. All through the school day, I'm haunted by the pair of shoes. Just can't get it out of my mind. In history class... Mrs. Pender is helping Christopher Columbus plan his cargo on the Santa Maria back in 1492. Don't forget his shoes, I'm thinking. In math class, we're calculating average income per capita, and I'm thinking of some guy with zero income. I can't shake the image of those shoes. Can't concentrate on schoolwork. Imagine some guy spending Easter under a park bench. And then I get this crazy idea. Mom's going to blow her stack. Dad, well, like I said, he's got a way of snoring through an earthquake. Probably won't bother him in the least. Dad always says he and Mom are not cut from the same cloth. Still, they love each other, and I guess that's what counts. The bell rings after the eighth period. I grab my backpack, but this time I don't take the usual ride with, with Mrs. Akers. I take the side door. Maybe I should talk to Dad first and visit the guy tomorrow. No, can't do that. Tomorrow's Good Friday. Maybe he'll be gone by then anyway. It's only two blocks to the fountain, but I get nervous as I approach the park. What if he's, me what if he's mean, or worse still, dangerous. Will there be other people around? What if he doesn't want to talk? I can see the spray from the fountain and other people walking by, the si um, by on the sidewalk, so I press on. At last, I can see the area with the benches. On the far side, there's some guy sitting, just sitting there. 
He looks up as I approach. Hi, boy. His long hair is tied back in a ponytail, and his bushy beard is a tangle of white and black strands, mostly white, it looks like. His eyes are wild and haunting, but I can't look away. It's like I can see miles through him. He coughs a couple of times. Hello, I say, and stand there awkwardly. Then my tongue kicks into high gear. This morning, I was riding the school bus past here, and I saw someone sleeping under the bench. It bothered me. Couldn't get it out of my mind all through school. So I thought, oh, maybe after school. My thought kind of trails off into nowhere. Truth is, it never was really clear in my mind what I was coming here for. He doesn't answer, just sits and looks at me, seems to be thinking this over. So I ask him outright, Were you sleeping under that bench? Yep, he says slowly. I was sleeping under that bench. So it bothered you, huh? How come? I'm not sure, I tell him. Just seems like everybody should have a home, I guess. This seems to please him some. His muscles relax a bit, and he doesn't seem quite so suspicious. Yep, he says. I've been around a bit. I guess I haven't been the, seen the inside of a house for quite a while. But don't worry about it, boy. I get along. He coughs again then shifts a little on the hard bench, sort of gathering himself together. I'm quiet. I already love this young boy. I already love him, that he has such a, a empathy and compassion and that he went back to see what that man was about, what he needed, I guess, sleeping under a park bench. This is, this is so wonderful. And I, I thought as I was reading through this, this needs to be our model during the coronavirus. We need to start reaching out to people, including first our own family, like we've never done it before. That's what I think. And so the boy says, um, uh, I'm quiet thinking this over. I'm bothered all the more by what he says. Just does it make sense? He looks thin to me, so I ask him, do you get enough to eat? Now he's quiet, and this faraway look comes into his eyes again. He squints and looks hard at me. Hunger's a relative thing, boy. Take yourself, for example. If you're used to eating at five, and you don't get home to dinner till nine tonight, you'll think yourself starving, right? Then there are folk in the third world countries who think having a bowl of rice twice a day is a feast? It's all relative, you see. Well, beloved, we're almost at the end of this story, and I'm going to continue. Um, no, I think we're halfway through it, so we'll finish it before the half hour. God bless you. We'll take your calls after the next break. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Do you have questions about your faith life and the life of your family? Ask Mother Miriam each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern when the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live, a program to inspire you and offer solutions to many of life's challenges. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam with some very exciting news. Through a partnership between the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, you will be able to listen and watch Mother Miriam live on YouTube and Facebook at the Station of the Cross, including past episodes on podcast. As always, you're going to be able to call, text, or email whatever your questions are. If you are not able to watch the live stream, you'll still be able to listen on your local Station of the Cross affiliate on the iCloud Catholic Radio mobile app or at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And we are right in the middle of a story um, titled Easter Under a Park Bench. And it's a story of a young man. I'm going to guess he's high school age. And he was riding home from school um, the day before spring break. And uh, the Thursday, I think it was, or Wednesday before spring break, Wednesday before Good Friday. And he saw a man sleeping under a park bench. And he just couldn't get out of the scene, out of his mind. And the next day, uh, rather than going straight home from school, he went to see if he could find the man sleeping under the park bench. He just couldn't imagine. And so he caught up with him, and he asked him if he gets enough to eat. And the man said, well, boy, that's kind of relative, right? I mean, if you're if you're in a normal house and you're planning to come home for dinner at 5 and you don't get there till 9, you think you're starving. He said, but um, uh, th- folk in a third world country who think having a bowl of rice twice a day is a feast, he said, it's all relative. And And so now back to our story. The young man says, I can't stop staring at this guy. I'm more used to three-piece suits and ties, meticulously trimmed mustaches, 
and matching cufflinks. Well, he he obviously comes from a fairly well-to-do family. He says homelessness has been going on for centuries. Um, oh, the, now, now the man on the park bench says to the young man, homelessness has been going on for centuries. Even back in Bible times, Jesus himself was a homeless man, no place to rest his head, it says. And the young man says, that's a new thought to me. Most of what I've heard in church has Jesus sitting on a throne at the right hand of God, king of kings and all that. But it makes sense what the guy says. Jesus was a wanderer, poor and despised. Before I can ask another question, he beats me to the punch. What day is it tomorrow? Do you know? And the young man says, it's Good Friday. Ah, yes, Good Friday. And what was so good about it, my boy? Now that he puts it like that, it's a good question. It stumps me for a minute. And before I can respond, he answers his own question. Tough question, huh? Well, I'll tell you what was good about it. Men turned away from God and from his ways for thousands of years, scorned his prophets and put them to death. But all was not lost, right? God had an ace up his sleeve. When all else fails, he figured, he'd send down his son. So he sends Jesus to the earth, and this is the homeless man speaking. So he sends Jesus to the earth, Christmas, you know. What a great event that was for the whole universe, a tremendous outpouring of love from the Father. And yet the people didn't recognize him. Rather, they were threatened and disturbed by him. So the only way left was for the Son to take on the suffering of the world. Without suffering, Easter, the victory of life over death, of light over darkness, of good over evil, would have been impossible. That's why it's called Good Friday. Now, this is this homeless man who sleeps under the park bench, speaking to the young man. He pauses for a moment as a tall, regal woman walks quickly past, closely followed by a well-groomed poodle on a leash. Disgust darkens her features as she glances our way. It oozes out of her and washes over the two of us like a cold, damp mist. Her glance is aimed at my friend, but it hurts me as well. My friend waits until she is well out of earshot. He continues, the homeless man. Yes, homelessness and suffering. They are two sides of the same knife. There are different kinds of suffering, you know. Some suffer. Some suffering is senseless and cruel and pointless. Suffering that seems to have no purpose. This is the hardest to bear. Some suffering is redemptive because we understand its meaning. Men can suffer incredible tragedy and pain if they can only understand the meaning behind it. He pauses as a city bus roars by, mute faces staring blankly out of the dirty windows. And the homeless man continues, The Bible says that men learn obedience through the school of suffering. Someone who has experienced suffering himself can often give comfort to another who suffers. 
because they have gone through the valley of darkness themselves. They are able to comfort and encourage, to weep, to laugh, and to sing together with the suffering soul. The young man says, I sat down next to him, never heard anything like this in church. Well, I want to ask that young man what church he goes to. I know about this, my boy. He glances over his shoulder. Look here. Out of the folds of his overcoat, he brings a small wooden cigar box. He unhooks the clasp and opens the lid gently, almost reverently. There's this scarlet satin cloth inside, and he lifts a fold to expose a photograph, faded but clear. It's a boy about my age. He's got this Pittsburgh Pirates cap on, and he's pounding his fist into his glove, face beaming with excitement. It's a beautiful photo. I look at it long and then look up at the man, and I can see the boy grown old and worn and tired. There are tears forming in the corners of his eyes, and as I watch, they gather and swell and brim over and trickle down into the matted beard and disappear. I can hear the honk of a car horn behind me and the shouts of children down the street, but here in the park, it is absolutely quiet. One afternoon at the park, I'm, and this is the homeless man speaking, showing the young man the picture of this boy. And he says, one afternoon at the park, I'm hitting him fly balls. He says at last in a whisper, I take, let me, let me repeat that. One afternoon in the park, I'm hitting him fly balls. He says at last in a whisper, I take this picture set the camera down, and hit a long fly ball. It slices into the street. He goes after it, totally forgetting where he is, his whole attention focused on the ball. I scream at him, but he doesn't hear. A pickup hits him and keeps right on going. I sit in the street with his head on my lap until the ambulance comes, he looks at me through suffering eyes and whispers, but dad, you hit it, but dad, you hit it, over and over and over. It cuts deep into my heart, like a condemnation of my soul. I never have a chance to ask his forgiveness. He's gone. Before he reaches the hospital, another pause. His mother, God bless her, never survived his coming. He was all that I had in this world. So I take it to the road, searching for a reason for this terrible accident, an answer, a meaning, anything. Haven't found it yet. The redemptive part, I mean, the purpose, the meaning. Then he's crying, softly but painfully, and the weeping is mixed with coughing. I can feel the pain, the terrible suffering that pours out of the man. I don't know what to do or say. So I do what comes naturally. I reach out and take his hand and bury my face in his coat. I cry for his suffering, for the suffering of the world. I can feel his arms close around me, and I can feel the sobs, some deep. 
They shake his whole body for a minute and then subside slowly, like the tide going out. I can feel the hurt draining away. And I understand how pain and suffering are lightened when shared with another. He closes the lid of the box, puts it away, and swings his sleeve across his eyes. I'm still looking, boy, he says. It's only then I realize how late it is. I want you to come and spend Easter with us, I tell him. I'm going to tell my dad and mom tomorrow. We'll be down to pick you up. We have plenty of room, okay? I look deeply into his eyes and then turn and walk off. Next morning, after the Good Friday service, my dad and I arrive at the park to pick him up. There's a couple of police cars there and yellow tape enclosing the area around the fountain. The whole place is cordoned off. What's going on? My dad asks one of the, the officers, a big burly fellow with a crew cut and nearly pressed uniform, neatly pressed uniform. Not much, sir. Just a homeless fellow from the city died in the night, apparently of starvation. Clear the area, please. I think Easter will always be associated with suffering in my mind. Actually, maybe that's its true meaning after all. I won't forget him, my friend at the fountain. I tell you what, I read this for the first time yesterday, and I, I'm a goop, goosebump now reading it to you. Um, it's a very sad story, yes? But a story about a soul who knew God, who knew of his redemptive love, who knew of his sacrifice, and who was not able to find meaning in suffering. I would say that that fellow was a non-Catholic Christian or a Christian who didn't know their faith, his faith, because, beloved, there's always meaning in suffering. The Lord, the God who died for us on the cross on Good Friday and rose on Easter Sunday has invited us to share in his sufferings for the salvation of the world, for ourselves, for our loved ones. And when we suffer, if we suffer and draw into ourselves, it is a meaningless suffering. It has no point except to destroy us. But when we suffer, dear ones, and we give that suffering. We join our suffering to Christ on the cross. We say, Lord Jesus, take this. Take my suffering. Take my broken heart um, and use it for the salvation of whoever needs it or for the salvation of my loved ones or for somebody's healing, whatever it is. If we can join our sufferings to Christ on the cross. That's called redemptive suffering because his death redeemed the whole world. Um, and we join him in that redemption so it has meaning and it no longer controls us because we foiled the devil and we've said, take that, Satan. Whatever you've put on me, I'm going to use for the salvation of souls. There's the music for our... 
uh, second break, beloved. We're at the half hour. I'll take your calls, your emails, your texts as soon as we come back. Don't go away and call in toll free. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. <coughs> Welcome back. Beloved to Mother Miriam Live, we have a whole half hour to ourselves, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart whatsoever. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, 11 years ago, my father was received into the church. I was 18. Well, that's fantastic. He asked me to be his sponsor. That's also fantastic. I was honored, and I said yes, naively not understanding how difficult it might be to fulfill my duties as sponsor with my own father. Lately, I have noticed my father being very critical of my mother. He cannot seem to bring himself to say anything complimentary to her or express appreciation for her hard work at cooking and cleaning everything. If he comments on her work at all, it is a complaint. He also loses his temper only verbally, never physically, over the smallest things. A week or so ago... 
He spoke to her in a way that I would never stand for if it were my own husband speaking to me. And what's worse, he did it in front of my children. I removed them from the situation. My father is older, and he is in a lot of pain every day. He has worked hard to improve his temper over the years, and he really has made great progress. I don't want to rock the boat or start a fight, but as his sponsor, aren't I obligated to say something to him about the way he's treating his wife? I don't know how he will take it coming from me because he complains <clears throat> Excuse me. that I always take my mother's side. Is there anything I should do other than pray for him? Thanks in advance for your advice, Anonymous. I have this suggestion to you. Don't speak to your father as his sponsor, because if you have that attitude toward him, um, you might speak to him in a correctional or instructional way, which will never help um, and will be somewhat disrespectful. You don't need to be his sponsor. You need to be his daughter. Just his daughter. Forget you're his sponsor. Just his daughter. Forget everything else. And as his daughter, you have every right in love to take him aside and talk to him. Your, Your father has a mental problem. There's no question about it. And what he needs is love and someone to understand him and to be on his side because apparently he thinks you always take your mother's side. I'm not saying that's always true, but that's the way it appears to him. And um, he's always on the outs. He's always the one that's wrong. I would suggest you become friends with your dad. And if he complains about your mom, um, say, Dad, I, I don't understand... I know you get angry. It's, there's always a reason for it. There's no question. But what bothers you about that? Well, your mom, you know, she never picks up the, the doily when she dusts. She dusts around it. She doesn't really do a good job. You know, Dad, I've noticed that too. Why don't we help Mom? Why don't we help Mom? Why don't we make a pact that when she's not looking, um, we'll go under the doilies and and clean them. And Mom will never know the difference. She won't feel bad. You know, we won't tear it to pieces. But you're right, Dad. You're right. Let me, why don't we, you know, I don't know. That's just a crazy example. But come alongside your father and make him think that he has a friend. Not that he's always wrong. Not the mother's always right. Not that he's the problem. No. Come along and try to understand him. Uh, ask him if he gets angry like that. I'd take him aside and I'd say, are you okay, Dad? I know you wouldn't hurt Mom uh, intentionally, are you, but you seem so angry. Is is everything all right? Is there something I can do? You know what I mean? So don't take your mom's side, um, but take your dad's side and truly come along him, beside him. If he feels understood and loved, I think you'll see his behavior change quite a bit. We have a call from um, Allison in California. Hi, Allison. Good morning, Mother. Good How morning, dear. I'm terrific. How are you? Oh, it's good to hear your voice. Good. I'm, I'm well. I, I, would, I just love to hear how you 
Oh, you're such a wonderful person. Oh. <laughs> I just, the, the sound of your voice and what you say, I need your reassurance about life right now. Okay. I don't feel wonderful every time I go to confession, Allison. <clears throat> go ahead. I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, that, I'm joking. Go ahead, sweetie. That's why you're wonderful, because you go a lot. I, I'm, I'm actually quite frightened about this new world order thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the virus. I think it's really uh, being used to, to put us all under control all around the world. And I've never been that kind of a person that looked at the world like that, but it doesn't seem to be, it's not, it doesn't, I mean, it does seem to be happening. It seems yep. to really be happening. I think so. And I, I, I can't seem to get that across to people. I talk, I say, I don't think you need that mask. I think, I think you're fine. I'm not afraid of you. Don't worry about this. I, we need to get back to work. We need to just call this, call this, and stop going along with it. And people get angry at me, and and then I start getting irritated with them because I'm like, "You're being fool. We're being absolutely manipulated here." And I just, I don't know how, other than that, I heard what you said last last moment about redemptive suffering and. Is that really kind of where we're headed? Although I don't want to just lie down and capitulate to their vaccines and their all the all the things they're trying to do to control us. Yeah, I would not uh, suggest anyone take a vaccine, but especially what uh, Bill Gates is up to, I would not suggest that. But um, no. Allison, I would, if I were you, sweetheart, I would stop telling people what to do. Um, don't tell them to not wear a mask. Don't tell them to this or that. Uh, to, or to, don't do that because thousands, thousands of people have died, and it's very real, this virus. Now, there have been worse plagues in the past. There's no question, but it's very real. And many, many people, over a 1,000 priests alone in Italy have died, so it's quite real. Um, so I wouldn't make light of it. I do think that, as you say, it's being used to change the world and to manipulate and to control. And as I said the other day, uh, articles are coming now now to uh, use this coronavirus situation to abolish the family. So it, it's, it, it is, it can be a frightening time. And uh, I think... Um, uh, you might recall that uh, Lady of Fatima told Lucia that the final battle will be against marriage and the family. So um, we are entering kind of unknown times, but people, Allison, throughout all of history has li- have lived in persecution in, in uh, you know, with the world against them. Priests, religious, others have been killed by the thousands. Um, as many non-Jews were killed in the Holocaust as Jews. Uh, and um, we've had it pretty well in our lifetime, especially in America. <clears throat> and now America is being considered kind of a dangerous country. That came right out of the, the mouths of some of these politicians because it won't yeah, go along. we've been part of it. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so... Um, Allison, there's no reason to be afraid. There is no reason to be afraid. We can't help anyone if we're afraid. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am with you always, even to the end of the time, even to the end of the world. What we need to do now 
is the same thing we've needed to do all along. It just hasn't been so clear to us all along. We've been sort of coasting, and as Catholics, our coasting has been our demise. Um, We need to live our faith, I say it a million times, as if it's true. We need to live as Catholics without compromise. That's what we need to do. If we have children, we need to learn how to homeschool them, truly, uh, raise them up to be saints. Um, whatever it is, we need to trust God that he's allowed this. As I said yesterday, I do believe it's a chastisement. Um, but faithful Catholics have nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about, Allison. So I wouldn't try to convince others of these things because, number one, they may not be ready to hear it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They may not be where you are spiritually. And... Um, uh, we haven't worn a mask here, but even when we go outside, um, there's something about nuns wearing masks. We did, just didn't want to do that. But we got a text from someone yesterday that to go into a particular supermarket where we normally shop, they won't let you in without a mask. So these things are happening. And and um, the way to live, Allison, is... I think what is vital to our lives as Catholics, to our witness and to our own lives in Christ, becomes extremely clear and everything else just falls away. It becomes very clear how we need to live in this time. What question okay, would you have? What's that? Well, we just go along. We just go along with what the government tells us to do and the masks and the not going here and there and not well, and just letting them take our mass away and you know our, our, our sacraments well, away like my daughter was supposed to be baptized this year and she didn't get her baptism and that's being put because off you're, they keep because because your priest would not do it no they're not doing, they're not doing this they're doing i would call every priest within three hours of your home i would not stop until i come across a priest who will baptize well, not, they, they're planning on doing it at Pentecost because they apparently were under, were being told that we could that things will change at the end of April. No, right? I would so, not wait. But, Baptism yeah. is life and death. I know. There's no. Know. How old is your? You said your daughter. Well, she's how 18. Old? She's 18, but but she's not a baby. But she's 18. But still, and I she's never been baptized. Well, we're, I'd only converted a couple of years ago. Oh, bless you. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, in a case like that, uh, if it's an emergency, you can baptize her. That I if, know. That I know. Right. Well, I would do but it. But I just, the government keeps changing the dates and everything. They're going to. They're going to. The don't get frustrated. <laughs> okay. Don't get frustrated. Just okay. don't take anything they okay. say as... Uh, gospel, so to speak, take it with a <laughs> grain of salt because they don't know. Yeah. They're they're estimating. Uh, President Trump wants to give us some confidence, so things will be back at this date. We'll do this, but he doesn't no. know. Nobody could know this. It's 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 new. So, I would just say I would counsel you, uh, if I could, Allison. You baptize your daughter. And then when you can, at Pentecost or another time, let her be conditionally baptized. Mm. I wouldn't wait one second for someone to not be baptized. Parents, if your priest, if your bishop will not baptize your child, uh, no matter how how old, um, 
then you do it. You do it because uh, you are able to do that. You don't have to be a priest or a deacon to baptize. So, um, Allison, um, shore up your um, straps or whatever that is, and um, and live your faith with all you have, and don't worry about controlling the world or going along with it. Uh, there are many okay. bishops now speaking out. There are governors op- changing the laws and opening the churches. There's a priest in Las Cruces, New Mexico, who just this week... Um, said that everybody was returning to, uh, not a priest, a bishop, Las Cruces, New Mexico. He said everyone was returning to Mass. I'm ready to pack our bags and go there. So, (laughs) yeah, but slowly it's happening. So pray, live strongly, and um, an individual rebellion may not help that much. We will in time. No, it didn't feel But I think the bishops are coming around and some of the priests. So, Allison, pray. Live the faith with all your heart. Love God. Honor him in every word you say and in every word you don't say. That's how. Just live as a Catholic, in other words. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at lifesightnews.com. And Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. Hi, this is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. Every week we bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. We want you to know Jesus and his bride, the church. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in each week. We love it when you join the conversation at 888-526-2151. It's the Terry and Jesse Show, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, heard around the world on the iCatholic radio app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And, excuse me a moment. 
we have <clears throat> 10 minutes and our lines are calls uh, lines are wide open so you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart toll free or text 18775115483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com we have an email from Kathy who says hello mother Miriam <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> Now that Easter has come and the joy of knowing that our Lord Jesus has risen from the dead and that he is from heaven, I wonder why Jews do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. What do they think the Messiah needs to be like based on the scriptures? If when as Catholic Christians, we can see how Jesus is the Messiah based on these same scriptures. Thank you, Mother, and God bless you. Oh, dear Kathy, um... We see uh, how Jesus is the Messiah based on scriptures that the Jewish people don't have, or at least don't acknowledge or read. Um, there's no indication in the Old Testament that um, that he has risen from the dead and opened heaven. <clears throat> there are prophecies. There are verses, Isaiah 53 for one, um, and Job says he lived around the time of Abraham. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Uh, the Jewish people believe that there's a God um, and that there is eternal life. Um, and where we spend life will be up to how God judges us. They do believe that. But uh, all they had prior to the coming of uh, the Christ um, were the Old Testament scriptures, uh, which talk of a coming Redeemer. But... Um, it it is only, as St. Augustine said, what was concealed in the old <clears throat> is revealed in the new. <clears throat> so it wasn't so easy. Even Peter said that um, uh, Paul talked about things and wrote that were hard. The Old Testament prophets wrote things that were hard to understand because they are explained. They're a mystery. A mystery is something that's hidden and that can be explained um, through supernatural intervention. So um, the Jewish people pretty much were surrounded by Romans and they were slaves to the Romans when Jesus came. Um on uh, to earth and um uh they um uh were looking for a political deliverer is is really what they were looking for someone to free them from the romans set up his kingdom on earth as the scriptures speak about and rule and reign and they would rule and reign with him uh, as a reigning king and most of the old testament does portray jesus as a reigning king but he is also portrayed as a suffering servant and he needed to come first as a suffering servant to put away sin before he can return as a reigning king to set up his kingdom. <clears throat> and so um, um, so that is, uh, th- that is why they could not. It, it, they put him, Jesus said, For what have I done that you're putting me to death? And what did I say? And they said, well, nothing that you've done, but because you being a man make yourself out to be God. And that was punishable by death. So they couldn't believe. They couldn't believe he was God. Uh, Some of them began to believe he was the Messiah, but they still didn't understand that he would be divine. He told them in the Gospels over three times that he was going to die, and they never, ever got it. They never understood it. You know, when we have a... 
uh, one kind of a one-track mind or that we've been taught and reared and we see the world a certain way because that's our upbringing. Um, and again, they didn't have the new covenant. Um, it's very difficult to get out of that. It's called the paradigm shift. It's really very difficult to get out of that. So the way the Jewish people uh, will know today that God sent his son, the Messiah, is, St. Paul says, from us Christians, if we make them jealous. And the only way to make the Jews jealous is to live as if it's true. Because then we have something, we have a meaning, we have a purpose in life that the world doesn't have. That's why I follow those Jews for Jesus before I was a Christian. They had, I, I couldn't bear what they were teaching. How could they even pronounce the name of Jesus? It was insane. But they had something I didn't have, and that was a reason to live. That was a reason for mankind on earth, a purpose. And they had it, and they were confident. And where are these people coming from? And I wanted to find out, and I did. Blessed be God. <clears throat> we have an email from Denise who says, Dear Mother Miriam, thank you for all that you do. You are an inspiration to me. I always get a warm feeling in my stomach whenever I hear your voice. I'm so happy about that. Denise, I've heard myself on tape, and I don't get a warm feeling in my stomach. I think we all think we sound differently than we do to others. She says, I know you love the Lord and want the best for all his children. I really appreciate your telling it like it is. I wanted to know when you air your show live, I always seem to see it on the YouTube after it's over. I would like to hear it live in case I have a relevant question. Thank you so much, Denise. Well, again, I am live, again, not on EWTN through the radio, but through the Station of the Cross and live streamed through Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. And it is live... Um, Eastern Time, 10 to 11, Monday through Friday. Uh, I'm in uh, Central Time, so I'm doing the program 9 to 10 live. So Eastern, it's um, 10 to 11, and on the West Coast, it's 7 to 8, that kind of thing. But uh, it's it's live where you can call in. Um, uh, let me just say 10 to 11 Eastern Time. Um uh, and again, you can if you have if you can download I Catholic uh, is it the I Catholic app um, on your phone. You can listen live on your uh, on your radio uh, I Catholic radio. That's what it is. Thank you, Elijah. I Catholic radio, um, and then you can have it live wherever you are on your phone. Um, or you can go on to uh, the station of the cross dot com on the internet and listen live right there on uh, the station of the cross uh, the exact time that it's live. Okay, now um, we have an email from Emil, and she says, "Mother, regarding um, your point yesterday that God can send suffering to chastise." Isn't that exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden? That's right. That was direct suffering sent from God's own hand that we deal with every day. What do you think? I think that's perfect, Emil. Absolutely. God sent suffering to chastise Adam and Eve for um, not obeying him, for not trusting him, for not believing, for going against what he said. Yes, it's exactly what he did. 
and that um, but through that prophecy Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 um, uh, God also prophesied that the seed of the woman would eventually crush uh, the seed of the serpent and that is the seed of the woman is Jesus through Mary and the seed of the serpent is Satan so um, and he, and our Lord crushed his Satan's head on the cross no question about it um, and then of course women would have pain in childbirth which they wouldn't have had before and men would have have to work before the earth just produced everything and now we would have to work by the sweat of our brow even for food so you're absolutely right that was a a huge chastisement that we live with to this day and will till the end of time uh, when we when there is no more time and please god we will be with him in eternity there's our closing music beloved and um we will speak with you tomorrow and i'll pick out another special story for you tomorrow god bless you love god live your faith and love your family